The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome everyone to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods and I'm your host today. I hope you all are having a great um, June it's amazing how fast the warm weather um, goes and how slow the cold weather stays. So um, I hope you guys are somewhere warm. We have a really interesting show today. We're going to be talking about the resilient woman and um, the and resiliency in general with uh, Dr. Patricia O'Gorman, who is the author of The Resilient Woman, Mastering the Seven Steps to Personal Power, and she has authored seven other books, including Healing Trauma Through Self-Parenting. Dr. O'Gorman is an internationally recognized speaker, psychologist with offices in New York, and a coach noted for her work with women, trauma, children of alcoholics, and substance abuse. She is consulting on the development of resiliency-focused approaches for a woman's treatment center in Delray Beach called Lightscape Solutions. Dr. Gorman serves as the chairperson of the advisory board of Horses Healing Hearts, a national equine experiential program for children of alcoholics, both in Del, in both in Delray. Beach, Florida as well. Right. right. They're both there. Lifescape Solutions and um, Horses Healing Hearts are in Delray. Dr. Gorman is also the former director of the Division of Prevention for the National Institute of Alcoholism and Alcohol Abuse. She's been the director of a rape crisis center, and she's the co-founder of the National Association for Children of Alcoholics. She's also worked in child welfare. She's a veteran of numerous, numerous television appearances, including the Today Show and AM Sunday. And we're very thrilled to have you as a guest today. Thank you, Dr. Gorman. Well, thank you. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's going to take up almost the whole first segment. Um, you've been a busy woman. Oh, you well, hear, you know, you I've had a lot of fun in my career, and I certainly have... Um, really looked to make sense of a lot of things um, and, you know, kind of poked my nose in places people don't often go, like running a rape crisis center. So um, it's taught me a great deal that I'm, I'm very grateful for. So, Yeah, I, I think this is, in, in many ways, this is a great time to be a woman, but it's also a very challenging time to be a woman. Um, uh, and I guess we can go into that in, in, a, in a little bit, but... Um, the the whole idea of resiliency is um, relatively new to the treatment profession. And could you share with our listeners what resiliency is and how you know if you have it? Well, that is a terrific question. And my guess is all of your listeners have it but don't know they have it. And what resiliency is is how we make sense uh, from the very unfortunate 
to very disturbing things that we encounter in our life. Um, All of us have encountered discomfort. Many of us have encountered trauma. How we get through that is by developing resiliency skills, which are um, inner strengths, if you will, that help us make sense of, go through, and the next time we're confronted with, do a better job with whatever it is that we're focused on. So um, it is something that um, everyone has, but uh, women in particular don't walk around um, with the knowledge that they have it, and they certainly frequently do not walk around trying to use it in their own lives. Um, I think one of the um, advantages to um, healthcare reform is it's given us pause to look at our current system. And I know um, at Westbridge we treat people with co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders, and um, we have the ability to, to use what works as opposed to what the current funding stream is dictating. And, you know, uh, there's a real catch-22 for people who um, you have to be sick to get your insurance, you have to be sick to um, get your benefits, you have to be sick to get, um, you know, uh, Social Security. So in order to maintain any of those supports that help you, you have to demonstrate illness. And the whole concept of resiliency is the exact opposite of that. It's it's really being able to look at what's right with people and how do you create um, that feeling that you were des- describing in terms of self-efficacy and feeling like, um, you know, I'm worthwhile and and I'm, I can be healthy as opposed to I'm sick with this chronic illness. Well, I think you can um, have both. I think you, I think um, the Creator made us with two hands. And I think in one hand, we can hold our pain, our trauma, our discomfort. And in the other hand, we can hold what we have learned from that, gained from that experience. No matter how painful it has been, usually pain teaches us something. So I think um, as I speak um, in my book, The Resilient Woman, and two seminars and um, to my patients, I'm actually a psychologist who takes insurance, by the way. Um, um, it's all about walking in life being two-handed as opposed to just being one-handed and just holding the hand that has the pain. So I think um, it's about bringing our other hand forward and using both um, to help us get through what it is that's before us. In your book, in the beginning of your book, you talk about guts. And um, could you share with your listeners what you say about having guts? Having, pardon, I didn't hear what you said. Having guts, you know, having intestinal fortitude, having guts. Oh, um, your gut feeling? (laughs) Yeah. You mean the joke in in the beginning? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that was, it was very funny. Um, I wrote a book, um, it came out 19 years ago, on women and resilience, called... Um, Dancing Backwards in High Heels, which was in many ways a book before its time, but it was very, very well received. And I have twin boys, and I remember um, one day I was, I'm sure, very tense. Um, I was preparing for a seminar, and my kids kind of, oh, maybe they were, I don't know, four or five, um, uh, tuned into that, and they 
they they kind of double teamed me, as sometimes any of your listeners will know that twins um, can do. And they they told they both looked at me very seriously, and they said, "Mom, you've got to be funny." And um, when you talk, you got to start with a joke. Now, where they got that from at their age, I don't know. But they uh, they went away and they got really quiet for a while, which, as you know, as a mother, always makes you nervous <laughs> when your kids get really quiet. But I was so busy, I think, packing my suitcase. I was just aware of their being quiet, and I was praying that, you know, okay, let, let nothing, let there be no loud screen. And they um, they then ran into the room giggling and happy, and they presented me with this huge sheet of paper on which they had taped with probably a whole roll of scotch tape a joke from Ranger Rick. And the joke was, um, uh, why could the skeleton not cross the road? And the answer was, because he had no guts. And I hugged and kissed him, and I said, that is the perfect joke to talk about resilience, because if we're going to talk about resilience, we really need to talk about our guts, because resilience is what really informs those gut feelings that we have about, you know, run, stay, go, fight, persevere, you know, um, that's all informed by our strengths, by our resilience, and um Thank you for asking about that story, and it is right in the beginning of the book as kind of a a homage to my children um, who have taught me a lot about resilience, just being twin boys. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Our kids have a great way of teaching us many things about resilience. Um, I was talking today with one of my coworkers about um, how difficult it is to be vulnerable, and, ah. and I'm wondering, what's the correlation sometimes for women to be vulnerable? The fear of being vulnerable is kind of, to me, um, the opposite of, in some ways, having resilience. Well, I, I don't see them as opposite. I think, um, in some ways, um, my resilience and allows me to go into the lion's den and be terribly vulnerable because I know I have strengths. I, I know there are things I can do once I'm in there. Um, there is a um, Buddhist saying about healing, and it is it goes something like this, that in order to heal, you need to go through the hall of the 10,000 demons and find the door in order to come out the other side. And I think each of us has, you know, 10,000 demons in our life. Um, and what resiliency are, are those skills that in a funny way those demons help us develop. And as we face each one of these awful things that each of us have in our life, we can realize we're strong. Um, we can develop a language, and I want to talk about that later, about, you know, what our strengths are. And... Um, we can get through the hall and out the door. Um, so I, I don't see them as um, opposite. In fact, um, I enjoy often playing with my vulnerability um, and teach women to um, do experiments with their vulnerability <laughs> to, um, because they, they know that they have strength to help guide them through. So instead of sometimes shying away from a situation, um, as Sheryl Sandberg says, we need to lean into it 
No, and uh, what she doesn't talk about, which I do, is resilience. And um, I, I described um, recently uh, to someone that she has the vision and I have the meat and the steps to get there. So, that's, uh, but I, I don't think I don't think they're separate. I think they're they're really part. They're they're it's the other side of the coin, if you will, vulnerability and resilience. Yeah, I, I, I think in some ways. Um what the the message that a lot of women get is you need to be strong. And, you know, the whole Helen Reddy song, I'm strong, I'm invincible, I'm woman. Mm-hmm. And that for some women, they interpret that as I cannot be vulnerable. Hmm. And I think, and in, 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 um, I know some of the young women that, I, that I've been um, associated with is that they, they, just, they just feel they need to be, um, they always have to project this strength. And um, inside, they're feeling oftentimes the exact opposite. But um, I, I just think women get a lot of mixed messages. Oh, we do. And, and by the way, women. guys do too. They're just different yes. messages. <laughs> but we all get that. In in my book, The Resilient Woman, I I talk about how to really take care of our inner child. I mean, I talk about how to protect our core vulnerable self by allowing ourselves to be strong and, um, and, and recognize our strengths. And recognizing strengths doesn't mean you don't have areas that are vulnerable. That mean, doesn't mean you don't have areas where you don't need protection, um, areas that are underdeveloped, um, areas that you're ashamed of. Um, it just means you also have, you know, you've got some things in play that you can use to tackle some of those um, so that they don't have to consume more energy than they need to for you to resolve them. And we'll be right back after this commercial break with more with Dr. O'Gorman. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Better communication means better relationships in every sense of the word. When you communicate more effectively and interact more effectively, your life is lived more effectively. Tune in to Talk Time with Trish, featuring host Trish Ferrante and co-host Lisa Stewart. Our program is all about the human element. We are all comprised of parts and stuff that we may be aware of or others may be aware of. When we become aware of what others are aware of, it means more to us. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. 
The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone, to One Hour at a Time. Our guest today is Dr. Patricia O'Gorman, and we're talking about the resilient woman. And um, here's a, a, a quote from our, um, from our episode description, which is a nice segue into what we're going to be talking about. Making others happy seems to be a woman's role, but the price paid is destructive, self-sabotaging, girly thoughts that arise wrecking havoc on her success, personally and professionally. And... Um, I, I talked to Dr. Gorman during the break, and I said when we were reading this here at work, a lot of this says girly thoughts. That seemed very demeaning, and we all had kind of a reaction to it. So um, can you explain to our listeners what girly thoughts are and why they're so um, destructive? Well, um, I, I pur- purposely developed a very provocative term because I wanted to get every woman's attention. And uh, what girly thoughts are... Um, are the way that women internalize all those subtle messages in society that tell us what we should look like, what we should act like, um, what we shouldn't act like, like smart and assertive, um, like obviously smart and assertive. There was actually a, a research study that I just read yesterday um, that talked about the fact that um, in mixed-gender groups, work groups, women are much less likely to take appropriate credit for their work than they are in single-gender groups. Um, so working, women working with women are more likely to say, yes, I did it, than women working with men who are more likely to say, well, as a group, we came to it together. Um, that's our girly thoughts in action. We don't want to be seen as assertive. We don't want to be seen as smart. Um, we beat ourselves up when we gain five pounds. Uh, we worry about, you know, how to, you know, balance career and, um, you know, and family. Um, men don't worry about five pounds. They don't worry about balancing career and family. Um, and men don't worry about this notion that as women, we've all been raised with, with all the fairy tales about the delicate princess who needs to be rescued and has to be so feminine and, um, you know, uh, vulnerable. Um, I, I, for a, a period of my life, went to school down south um, in uh, the center part of Alabama, even though I may not sound like it now. And um, I remember classmates of mine talking about getting married. Of course, that's what we girls do. We, we talked about getting married. And how many of them were, were having a discussion about whether or not they would faint on their wedding day. Well, I was really appalled by that. I was from New York, and I was thinking, fainting on your wedding day? <laughs> what is 
that about? They would talk about weddings where women fainted. And it's all about showing your vulnerability and this dance that we do that we have to be so vulnerable and needy and be taken care of. And then on the other hand, we have to run the family but make it look like our husbands are running the family. It's just we become pretzel women, you know. It's, um, right. So I developed the term girly thoughts to capture all that in two words <laughs> rather than to describe it in, you know, a hundred pages. So does that so answer I, your question? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's a, a great answer. But, you know, um, it's, as I was reading through your, your book and, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about like half my consciousness, I think, are girly thoughts. And I'm a successful woman, and I'm assertive, but it took me a long time to get here. You know, yes. I, we were talking, you reach a certain age where you just, I, I, don't, I don't think give up, but you just claim yourself, you know? Yes. Yeah, you stop, you stop trying to make yourself acceptable to everyone else, and you begin to accept yourself to you. And... Um, and women do that at different ages. Um, um, one of my sons is dating an incredibly successful woman in her 20s. My children are now in their 20s. And she's lovely and unassuming and on an international level, extraordinarily powerful and in demand. And she's figured out how to do it all. Her peers are pretty obnoxious, you know, <laughs> Um, so it's, it's, you know, we all figure out how to do it at different points in our life. And, um, the thing is, I think where women get, get caught and what diminishes their power is that they feel they have to fit into an increasingly narrow band, um, of acceptable looks and acceptable behavior, um, and what put me over the edge last year, and I decided I really needed to come back to this material. And instead of doing a revision of my book, I actually wound up writing a new book um, because of all the photoshopping that is going on. Um, and this is now the new image of what we're supposed to look like, and even the models don't look like themselves. Um, I had a woman call in on a call-in show um, a couple of weeks after my book came out, my book's been out, I think, I think just about um, three months now, and uh, she identified herself as a model, and of course I had my image, as I'm sure everyone did, of you know who, who she is and what she looked like, and she said that every morning she looks in the mirror and gets sad because she doesn't look like herself. And... That made me sad. I thought, my God, here is an obviously beautiful woman. She's a talented woman. Uh, she's a woman in demand. And she feels sad because she doesn't look like a digitally altered version of herself. That That is the real her. The real her is not the person who lives in her body. And there are so many women who feel the same way, that they don't, you know, they can't look like this, you know, model on TV or model in, you know, the, the ads we all see, and, um, and therefore they are less than, and even the models now feel less than because they're also Photoshopped. It's, it's crazy. It's well, crazy. and it's, it's abusive, you know? It, it is really abusive. is abusive. It is yeah. abusive, and um, 
if you if anybody wants to go and look at ads in Europe, they are even worse than the ads in the U.S. <laughs> so it's, it's it's not just a U.S. issue; it is an international issue in the sense of women and looks and power. Um, and there's becoming so much attention to women now that I think that. You know, this is the number 13, you know, is really the year of the woman. And uh, I was talking to a colleague recently who was talking about um, Sheryl Sandberg's book. And he said, well, what is the difference between your two two books? Her book came out a week after mine, and we didn't know each other, you know, (laughs) before as we were writing our books. And I said that she has the vision for what women should do, and I have the steps and the meat about how to get there. Um, so I think there are many of us who are working really on girly thoughts, even though she doesn't have that term. That was a term I developed, but working on this at the same time, it's a very exciting time, I think, um, for women in the sense of just focusing on what is the problem. And I came up with the term girly thoughts to describe you know, the problem in two words, and then what are the solutions? And I think the solution is for women to learn how to describe and claim their strengths and then use those strengths to help themselves. As women, we tend to help our families and help our boss and help our boyfriend and certainly help our girlfriends, all of which are wonderful but we're often last on the list, and the decline in women's health is really showing us we really can't continue in that way. You know, as you were talking, I was I was at the grocery store this weekend, and I was waiting in line, and there was a magazine, and on the cover was Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy. They're in a movie together, and Melissa McCarthy has been in Gilmore Girls. She's she's an overweight actress who's is really funny, and she she was in um, The Bridesmaids, and she she's just an extremely good actress, and. And there's Sandra Bullock, and they, they're kind of like got their arms around each other. And Sandra Bullock looks so emaciated. I mean, mm. when you see her next to somebody who, granted, is overweight, but Melissa's face is round. She looks healthy. Yeah, she's overweight. But, you know, in comparison to Sandra Bullock, who just seems so painfully thin, and I thought, wow, you know, it's really, the contrast is, it was stunning, you know. It- it is it is stunning, and most women want to look like Sandra Bullock. And right, is, right, right, right. Um, in right. fact, there are um, um, online support groups for young girls with anorexia, who um, you know that support them in not eating. Uh, and one one young woman I'm working with is um, dealing with this, and and she you know said, well, you know, it's. No, it says online, people say you're not fat, but you are, so see, you're wrong. <laughs> I am fat. Um, it's, it's, you know, there are some male anorexics, but by and large, it tends to be mostly female, you know, women willing to starve themselves to achieve a level of perfection. Now, that says something about a woman's strength that she can do that and so deny and deprive um, herself of food. Um, but it also says something about this um, crazy image we have of ourselves about what is acceptable and what is not. Um, and, you know, the thing about girly thoughts is if it's 
our girly thoughts, then we can do something about it because it's it's something in us. It's not anything anyone's making us do. It is kind of in the air we breathe. It's influencing us. But what we've learned one way, we can learn another way. And so that's what my book is about, about owning your resilience. The, seven, it's, uh, the subtitle is Mastering the Seven Steps to Personal Power. So therefore, you can become the person you want to be as opposed to a digitally enhanced version of someone you don't even know. Yeah. You know, in your book, you related um, girly thoughts to codependency. And maybe you could just say a little bit about that. Well, I'm, I, I, it, girly thoughts are kind of like the female version of, of codependency in the sense of really looking, looking um, to take care of everyone else and not taking care of oneself on, on a gender level, if you will, um, that this is how women tend to operate. And I think that women can learn how to operate in a way that is much more self-loving and still, if they want to, take care of the people around them, but also have themselves a little higher in the list than last. Um, it's a terrible, you know, we, we, we talk about, I talk about girly thoughts and p- other people are beginning to talk about girly thoughts and we teach this to the next generation by how we handle things. And so if and we want things to change for our children or grandchildren, then it really needs to begin to change with us. And we'll be right back to talk about how we make those changes after this commercial break. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Why do people behave the way they do? The study of human behavior is one of the most interesting facets of life. Human behavior gets played out in a limitless number of ways. Now, there's a radio program that explains the why and the how of what we do. Human Behavior, What a Trip, is hosted by Dr. Jonathan Brower and will include interesting guests as well as call interaction from people like you. Let's have fun with this together. 
Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone, to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Dr. Patricia Gorman, who is a uh, national author, and she's a psychologist with a private practice, and she's um, written a couple books on resiliency, which um, to me is really fascinating, and I'm enjoying learning about this. So, so Dr. O'Gorman, how do we overcome these girly thoughts? How do we, how do we develop more resiliency? Well, I think um, we we do that um, by making our resiliency conscious. And in my book, the subtitle is uh, The Resilient Woman Mastering the Seven Steps to Personal Power. And the first step that I have is to make your crisis meaningful. Uh, Choose to develop conscious resilience. And people have asked me, um, why did you start with women in crisis? And I said, because... Um, that's usually what gets our attention. <laughs> if, we're, if we're on vacation and we have our feet up and we're getting a pedicure, we're probably not thinking about, you know, how we need to revamp our internal structure. So, But in a crisis, um, women tend to figure out pretty quickly what needs to happen and move into action. And so I, I start with the first step about make your crisis meaningful Um, which basically is learn from it. So many of us have been in the same situation that we thought we had left. So for those of us who have found ourselves in um, repeating crises, um, it's very possible to learn from your crises. And um, so at least what I say to myself is I don't have to repeat that one again. Um, The second step is... um, to uncover your hidden resilient voice and to use your own wisdom to determine what's right for you. Um, in in our heads, in everyone's head, we have all these voices. We have um, our we can hear our kids talking, our husband talking, our boss talking. Um, if we're our a mothers, <laughs> mothers, our clients. Um, I sometimes hear Sister Concepta, who was a my high school principal talking. I mean, I can, you know, we all have all these people in our in our head, you know, that we, we spend time with throughout the day. Um, but there's also a little voice in there, which I call our resilient voice, um, which we can learn to turn the volume up on, um, which says what it is we need to do for us. Now, Frequently, we don't listen to that voice because it totally messes up our plans. <laughs> you know? we, we've got the day planned out, and we know what we have to do. But there's this voice saying, but what about you? Or you're really tired, or um, you really need to stop and get a drink of water. Um, 
you know, we it's that voice that we need to learn to listen to, which is what I call the for me voice, the resilient voice. Um, so therefore, we can be in dialogue with the part of us that knows what it is we need and knows how to get what we need. Um, so, you know, that is the... Um, the second step, and then I have five more steps, um, you know, to really help uh, work women through this. And I gave a seminar recently, and someone said, well, why do you have seven steps? Why aren't there 12 or 30? And I said, because I wanted there to be one step a day that a woman could think about. You know, just today to think about maybe step three, um, how do I create helpful boundaries for myself? And um, I worked with um, a, a wonderful book editor on the book, and she crossed out helpful, and she wrote in healthy. And I crossed out healthy, and I wrote in helpful. And she you know, queried me back, and she said, okay, we've got to talk about this. <laughs> I think healthy has become a new oppressive word, uh, particularly for women. Uh, we want a healthy diet, and we want to look healthy, and, you know, we want to serve healthy food and, you know, be in a healthy relationship. And what we've lost sight of is what is helpful to us. And I think that when we focus on what is helpful to us, it automatically becomes healthy. <laughs> um, but it's not oppressive. We don't have to beat ourselves up because we're not, again, like girly thoughts, um, you know, meeting some sort of external norm, the healthy norm um, that we now feel bad about because we, you know, if I can't be healthy, I'll just eat all the chocolate chip cookies kind of thing. You know, what is helpful to you? Maybe a, maybe a chocolate chip cookie is helpful, but maybe the whole bag is not helpful. <laughs> you know? So what is helpful to you in the moment? And, um, and it goes on from there. But it's about really paying attention to what's going on Inside, um, you know, step six is to think positively, and I, I had fun with this one, and I said it's the best revenge. Um, in, in life, we've all been hurt. We've all been wounded. Uh, we've all been hurt by people we thought we could trust. We've been hurt by people we loved. Um, so what do we do with that after we kind of pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and kind of start going forward? The best revenge is to really take care of ourselves, <laughs> and um, and that's a very resilient response. Is you know this happened? I didn't like it. You know, I mean, maybe I'm not even with you anymore because I don't like how you treated me. But I can treat me well. I can treat me better. I can learn from this, and I'm not going to pick a loser like you again. And um, and that is how we can begin to move forward. Um, in honoring our strengths and taking care of ourselves as well as taking care of everything that's around us that we deem important. It's not an either-or, it's a both-and. You know, there's a great quote in your book from Eleanor Roosevelt is that no one can make us feel inferior without our permission. Right. And even just, <laughs> even just thinking about that, it's like, wow, it's very empowering yeah, you know? yeah, we have to agree. We have to agree that somebody is right. And if we don't agree that they are right, um, that gives us tremendous power. And it also lets certain things be other people's problems and not our problems. We don't have to take it all on. We can say someone's a jerk, not, oh, my God, what did I do to cause him to be a jerk? Well, 
Maybe he just is a jerk. Maybe that's his issue, or maybe that's her issue. She's real catty. Or, you know, maybe you have a boss who is very threatened by how beautiful and smart you are. That's his problem. How do you want to handle it? But that's not your problem that you're beautiful and smart, you know. Well, and I think the other the other side of that, too, is that, um, wow, you know, um, this 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 ongoing dialogue we have with ourselves, I think sometimes you know it's it's it creates a lot of shame within yes, and, and insecurity and insecurity, and it's right. like which is the real me and after a while, I think young women begin to think, well, you know who am I if i'm too, as you said before, if I'm too much this way, I'll be perceived as I'll get called really bad names or right. um you know, and if and if I and if I'm smarter than the the guys around me, then that's going to um, somehow, you know, limit my ability to date or whatever. And I think it's just, um, you know, it's 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 all about claiming your space and being comfortable with who you are in the moment. Yes, it, it is. I mean, I was, um, you know, it's June, and I was. Uh, I've been seeing um, a young woman in my private practice, and uh, she was voted in her school most likely to succeed. And she she went to the head of the yearbook committee, and she said, "You know, can you please put somebody else's name in there?" And and uh, she was really and all upset about it. And I said, "Why?" She said, "Because then I won't get a date for the prom." Oh wow. You know, that's what we do to ourselves. And she probably is going to be, you know, most likely to succeed. But that's what we do to ourselves. But there's no one else doing that. It's what we do to ourselves. Um, there's an old, com- um, old comic uh, from a, a, a film strip, uh, Pogo, and he says, I've met the enemy, and it is me. <laughs> um, girly thoughts are how we tyrannize ourselves. And uh, we don't have to continue doing that. We don't have to make all those people right and us wrong. Um, we can say, I am the weight I am, and I still have a lot of value. I am the height I am, and I still have a lot of value. I am really smart, and I have a lot of value. <laughs> um, you know, we, we don't have to morph and subvert ourselves in order to be more acceptable. As women, we're always trying to be acceptable, and I think we have to start, and my book talks about start with yourself and accepting yourself. And um, the more comfortable we are with ourselves in a funny way, the more comfortable other people will be with us. and do you find that as women become more resilient, people around them accept them for who they are, or do is there a backlash in working I with think, resilient women? Well, I think that as women become more resilient, they have more tolerance and uh, they can help people around them more. Um, as you know, to be a woman is to be in a very strange position in, in the world. And there is so much... Um, anger generated towards women for being women. There's so much violence generated towards women for being women. Um, There is um, so much about this whole power dynamic that needs to somehow subvert women and elevate men. Um, 
that exists, what do we do with it? You know, do we play into it? Or do we, we find in our own way challenging it? Um, my, my children are of a different race than I am. My children are adopted, and they're a different race than I am. And I have hopefully taught them um, how to challenge the um, racism they have experienced on an individual level, on a personal level, when it comes, um, you know, this is somebody who's, you know, not informed, ill-informed, um, it's their problem, it's not your problem. How do you help them? Um, there's a book that came out recently. I think the book book is called Ruby, and it is about um, a young girl who was the first African-American girl, I believe, to enter the schools in New Orleans. And um, she, I think, entered kindergarten, first grade. Of course, there are all these death threats, all this going around. But she um, entered school every day very proud and very calm, and she was interviewed about how she was able to do this. And she said to the reporter that the people who were yelling names at her just didn't know any better, and she was praying to God that, that they, would, they would learn. You know, we can... We wow. can if, if, a, if a little girl can do that, living with her grandmother... We can all do that. We can take it on and in that way begin to push back in an appropriate way, in a loving way, but push back and, as I tell women, take up more space in your life. Don't become less than who you are. Become who you are. That's a great way to end this segment. We'll be right back after this commercial. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Um, welcome back, everyone. One hour of time. This is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Dr. Patricia Gorman. And we've been talking about resiliency in women. And, you know, resiliency, as Dr. Gorman said, is often associated with men as well as women. And um, I, I asked her during the break what the correlation she saw between as having been one of the co-founders of the National Association for Children of Alcoholics is the, that that correlation between resiliency and um you know, coming or being brought up in an alcoholic home. And I, and I, I want to just put out there that there are an awful lot of successful people who were brought up in alcoholic homes, um, and some of them quite famous. But um, could you just share with our audience what you shared with me during the break? Sure. I'm, I've never been enamored with the idea that just because you come from an alcoholic home, there's something wrong with you. I mean, I, I have that feeling strongly from personal experience, but also from my clinical work. I mean, I have, would see many wonderful, incredible, heroic people who had alcoholic um, parents. And so I've never been enamored with the term codependency and searched in the 80s for another term and came up with the resiliency research, um, which I played around with and felt it fit beautifully that that a group of people who have been traumatized and gotten through it develop skills, ergo resiliency. And so in my book that came out last year, Healing Trauma Through Self-Parenting, I've talked about... Um, that codependency is actually not such a bad response to trauma. It's about taking care of people. There are many other responses to trauma that don't leave you in such a good spot, you know, like being really angry and violent and killing people or um, developing significant cutting, significant psychiatric problems. Um, There are many responses to trauma that aren't good. Taking care of people when you stack them all up is really not such a bad one. It's not where you need to stop and say, okay, because you need to learn to take care of yourself. That's when your healing is complete. But it's um, it's on the road to recovery, if you will. And so I so I've always I've always been looking for what's right as opposed to what's wrong um, with me, with my family, with my friends, and uh, certainly with my clients and people who come to my seminars and retreats. So um, that's always been the focus. I, I you know, and I'm always concerned with you know how big our diagnostic books are getting with everything wrong with us, and we don't have a book equally big, half as big, a fourth as big, that talks about what's right with us. Um, Maybe that's the book each one of us has to write. Um, And that's certainly one of the exercises I have in my book, The Resilient Woman, really looking at, um, you know, making lists of your strengths, as simple as that. You know, just making a list of what's right with you. Um, and, And, you know, not that we shouldn't focus on problems we have and struggles that we have, but we should also focus on solutions that we have. We just need to learn to use our solutions, not just have them, but implement them. 
Um, you mentioned like workshops and seminars. Um, do you have any upcoming that our listeners may be able to uh, see you or get in touch well, with? You? I have um, I have a couple of things coming up. There is a webinar I'm doing for clergy on, on June 25th, and that is through SAMHSA. And you would sign up um, through the SAMHSA website or the NACOA website. Um, um, that's 2 to 3 um, Eastern Standard Time on June 25th. June 26th brings me into New York City, and I'll be speaking uh, for the Betty Ford Center um, in New York City on the 26th. And then I have a couple of months off, and um, I am uh, going to be doing a seminar on trauma in Florida, and then followed by a two-part seminar probably in January and March on women and resilience in Florida. So if anyone wants to get away from the you know, the, the winter code and come to sunny Florida and celebrate what's right with you, you know, watch my website, patriciaogorman.com, and I'll be, I'll be putting those up. Now, where can people find the book? They can find the book in their bricks-and-mortar bookstore. If it's not there, it can be ordered. Uh, they can order it online through Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Um, and they can also go to the publisher, which is HCI, and, and their website. And the book is The Resilient Woman, Mastering the Seven Steps to Personal Power. Um, we only have a few minutes left, so I, I just wondered if there is if there's one like take-home message for like a young woman listening to this, what would it be? And what would be the take-home message from, from like a postmenopausal woman? Well, it's almost the same message. It's that you are more than your pain. Um, your pain can teach you a lot. Your pain teaches you how strong you are. And the lessons we learn from our pain, we can apply the next time we're in pain. Um, we are a very flexible species. Um, what has been drummed out of us is the fact that we can take care of ourselves. So focusing on that, as well as you know, doing all the other things on the list, but elevating ourselves so we're not at the bottom of the list is really important. And I think as, as women get older, they learn that. But younger women, to learn that earlier, my God, does that make life easier. You know, most of us have flown, and we know when we get on the plane and they do the little speech... And they talk about the masks, and they say, when the mask comes down, put yours on first, even if you are with a child or an elderly person. We've got to take care of ourselves first. Even the airlines know that. You know, the first time I heard that when I was flying with my young children, I thought, no way, I can't do that. You know, and then after a while, I thought, well, yeah, that makes sense. But my yes. intuitively, I thought, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought, well, I'll just hold my breath. <laughs> yeah. But then I thought, oh, my God, if I pass out, what will happen to them? <laughs> right, right. But that wasn't my first thought at all. My first thought was taking care of someone else. Yeah. 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 And um, so, you know, that's how we're wired. That's okay. We just have to remember to use our strengths to take care of ourselves. We have to remember that we have strengths, and my book is full of exercises um, that um, women, I've heard from women from Dubai to a woman in Mississippi using my book to teach literacy. Um, women are finding the exercises very useful and fun, by the way. Um, so I suggest women get in, have some fun with the book. They can download it on their Kindle. You know, it's available as an e-book. Um, 
or on their nook, um, and just have fun playing with this, maybe for some women, this undiscovered territory within themselves, their resilience. Do you see yourself uh, writing a book about the resilient man? Well, actually, I have um, I have a blog called The Powerful Woman, and when I bought that, I also bought the blog named The Powerful Man. So we'll see. I may. <laughs> Do you think there's any difference? Well, our society allows men to be strong. It doesn't allow men to feel. Um, right. You know, right. we, we have all these things, you know, stop crying like a girl, you know, you're being a you know, a, a P and with, ends with a Y yeah. and, you know, yeah. um, you know, so we demean women and we demean the feminine in the man and we demean women, um, uh, for being strong. Um, and I think we, I think we, as women, we have a lot to learn from men. Men know how to take care of themselves much better than most women do. I mean, how many of the women and men listening, the man has his golf game or his, you know, um, basketball game or his men's poker group. Right. And, and we don't tend to do that, and we need to. Maybe not And poker, we need to. We, and I have to, I have to be assertive strong right now because we've run out of time. And I want to thank you so much for your hour with us. And um, have a good week, everyone. And remember, it's patriciaogorman.com. Is, is uh, Dr. O'Gorman's website. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Mary. We appreciate you joining us today for One Hour at a Time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.